No one comes to the Father but through Him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Therefore, it no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Get motivated, inspired, inspiration for today. Alright, I want to speak to you today. We're continuing Jumpstart Your Year. And I want to speak to you today about a sermon entitled, Me and My Household. Now, yesterday I had the misfortune of performing an unexpected funeral of someone that maybe many of you knew, um, Frederick Kabebwe, and his, obviously his sister's Grace, many of you know her. He was 20 years of age, he just turned 20 in December, and he suddenly collapsed a week and a half ago, had a seizure and died with his family right there at home, just like that. And so I want you to think about that. He was 20. You know, sometimes we expect that it's just old, the old people that die. And many times there are unexpected deaths. And so I want you to think about that now in terms of you, your life, your purpose, and why you're on the earth. And the question I'd like to ask you is, why are you in church? What is the reason that you come to a cell group? Why is it that you pray? Do you want to change and you're crying out to God all the time, Lord, I want to change, but the question is why? When you're doing your stuff for the Lord, are you just there as a tick in the box? You know, everything that you do for the Lord is just a tick in the box, just to say, yes, I've done my thing. Are you just at church because you feel you have to be because it's the right thing to do? And the issue is, if, if that's the case, then you may meet Jesus one day and you may hear these words from him, I never knew you. I want you to think about what the Bible says about who God is. At one point it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him, they shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. The Bible also describes God as love. And therefore, the church is the body of Jesus, which means the church is a family. When the church has the heart of God, it is clothed with the love of God. If you want the presence of God in your home, then what you need to do is to ask God to light up a fire in your heart and to light your heart up with love. Ask Him to fill your heart with love for those who are lost to the kingdom. You know, Jesus spoke about the parable of the lost sheep. And the efforts to which the shepherd will go to reach the lost sheep. 
Ask Him to fill your heart with love for disciples. And actually have some disciples. Actually have some, some people that you're pouring your life into other than yourself. Some of you are struggling in life because you're not willing to pour your, your life into people. You want to do your own things for your own reasons. Ask Him to fill your heart with love for prayer. If you haven't got a love for prayer, ask God to fill your heart with a love for prayer because it's in the prayer place, it's in the prayer time, it's in the prayer closet that you connect with God. Without a connection with God, you're just a shell. When you come into contact with the Lord through the Word, when you come into contact with the Lord through prayer, then what, what comes out as a result of that is a thing called fellowship, where you have fellowship with the Lord. And when you have fellowship with the Lord, you will have fellowship with the people that are with you in church. If you don't have fellowship, if you don't connect with God, you are a weak Christian. And the enemy can come and he can do things in your life and he can chase after you in life. Now you know, there once upon a time was a man who was a Gentile in the time of the book of Acts. Now, up until that point, the Gentiles were not seen as clean enough to receive anything from God. They were seen by the Jews of the day as being filthy. And even in the time when this Gentile was alive, the situation with him was this, that even the, the, the Jews in the church saw him as too filthy to be in the presence of God. And we read about this Gentile in Acts chapter 10, verse 1 to 3. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion who was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. I want you to notice when you're God-fearing, there's some fruit that actually comes out of your life. There's some things that you do. And you don't do them because you have to. You do them because of an overflow of the love of God that is in your heart. And they did it regularly. It wasn't a once-off thing. It wasn't an every now and then thing. It was a regular thing. And then it goes on in verse 3. And one day at about 3 in the afternoon he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius... Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. So it is interesting to note that up until this point, the gospel has only reached the Jewish people. And I want you to think about that for a second because if you look at the church today, it seems unbelievable. It seems unbelievable that the entirety of the church could almost be there in terms of Jews. And Peter himself, his ministry was focused on Jews. What is a Gentile? A Gentile is anyone that is not a part of the people of Israel. 
Now, if you look at the life of the apostles as recorded in the book of Acts, what we see is that the Lord assigned certain ministries to the apostles. Paul said the Lord had assigned Peter to the ministry to the Jews, but that God had assigned Paul to the ministry to the Gentiles. Paul had tried ministering to Jews, but God had not allowed him. And God had not allowed him to minister to the Jews, even though God knew how much Paul loved the Jews. How much Paul loved his own people. Now the Apostle Peter's ministry was focused on Jewish people. And so why does the angel give him an instruction to go to the house of Cornelius, who is a Gentile, who is a Roman centurion? Why does God tell Peter, who's supposed to minister to the Jews, why does he tell this, this Peter to go to that man? Now when Jesus was still walking in the physical form on the earth with his disciples, there was a day when he has a particular conversation, and in that conversation he asked Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter replies and says to him, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, Blessed are you because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And so I will call you Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. So right there, Jesus says to Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And so the question is, what are the keys of the kingdom? And I want to tell you today that the keys of the kingdom are preaching. The keys that open the doorway to the kingdom are preaching. And that is why, if you look in the book of Acts chapter 2, when they had the Feast of Pentecost, which was a special Jewish celebration, the Holy Spirit fell on the believers. And when the people saw the Holy Spirit falling on the believers, some people were saying, look at these guys, they drunk. And then Peter got up and he preached. He preached that this was a fulfillment of a prophecy that had been given through the prophet Joel. You can go and find it in Joel chapter 2. In the Old Testament, by the way. In case you don't know. And he said to him, he said to them, that this is what has happened here. You have seen the Lord come to people as was prophesied to the prophet. And Peter preached that day and 3,000 got saved. 3,000 people got ushered into the kingdom of God that day. And then later on, there was a, a, a layman, a, a man who was paralyzed, and he was begging, and Peter told him, get up and walk in the name of Jesus. When the people in the temple that day saw what had happened, guess what Peter began to do with John? They began to preach. Again, handing out the key of the kingdom. And as a result of this man being healed, he was exuberant. And so because he's so exuberant and he's walking and leaping and he's running around and they say, wait a second, that's the same guy that has been sitting at the one gate, the gate called Beautiful, and he's been a lame man for years. We've seen him for years. Now he's running here around the temple and they came to see who did this. And Peter asked them, why are you running to us? The healing that was done by the same Jesus you crucified, 
he now has the power to save. And Peter does an altar call. And this time another 5,000 get converted to Christianity. The gospel is the key to the kingdom of heaven. And yeah, the church started to grow and to multiply. But there was one piece missing from the church, even at this time, even though things are going so well. And that was the gospel being preached to the Gentiles. And so the angel told Cornelius to go and to call a man named Peter. And he said, this man lives near the sea. And he'll tell you what to do. So why did an angel not preach to Cornelius himself? I don't know if you've ever thought about that when you've read that passage. And the angel didn't preach to Cornelius because God has reserved the privilege of preaching the gospel only to his children. It's only us, the brothers and sisters in Christ, who have the privilege of preaching the gospel. And so now the angels are anxious to preach, but the Lord does not allow them to do this. And that is why this Gentile, he learned how to worship God, the God of the Jews. He learned how to fast and to give with a generous heart. And the angel said to him, your prayers have been answered. God wants to meet you. And that's why every time you pray, every time you fast, and every offering you give, it has a purpose. I asked at the beginning, why are you at church? Frederick Kabebe, no one expected him to die. And every single day, people are dying. And the love of God constrains you to tell them about Jesus. So that if it be their time, they'll be ready. And what we learned from Cornelius, even if you're on the outside looking in and you're trying to connect with God, do all your prayer, do all your giving, your fasting, whatever you do, do it with a generous heart, <clears throat> believing for a miracle. And the angels tell him to go to Peter. And in verse 7 we see, he called two servants and a soldier to Joppa after telling them this. In Acts chapter 10, verse 30 to 33, it says, Cornelius answered, Four days ago, I was in my house preaching at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the, hope, in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And I want to tell you this, that opening a house to hosting a cell group changes your future. Because that's what Cornelius was doing. He was opening his home to run a cell group. And, and I want you to understand, it changed his future. It will change your future. And he was so diligent that he quickly summoned Peter to come over. And it took Peter four days to come. 
And in those four days that it was taking Peter to come, Cornelius was preparing the atmosphere of the home. He was inviting the people to come. He was creating a sense of expectation. The Lord is coming. An angel has come and said that, that, that God has answered my prayer. He's going to do something special. When this man, this, this, this Jewish man comes, something special is going to happen. We are going to meet the ever-living God right here in the home. And so he went out, he found his friends, he found his family members. And in verse 24, we see that he had called together all his close friends and all his relatives. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius fell down at his feet and worshipped him. And Peter said, stop doing this. I'm just like you guys. I'm a human being. I come to you in the name of Jesus. Now Peter went in with Cornelius and found a large group of people. And I want you to understand Cornelius did not just go and invite the failures of society. He invited the people that were closest to him. He told them that he wanted them to listen to them and to listen to what Peter was going to say. Now some don't understand that to open an, a, a cell, we must be willing to open our house to the word so that the word can be preached. I want you to realize this is how the act of church was born. The act of church was born with a cell group with six people meeting in a lounge. And it was there that God started opening doors to the supernatural. Now in this, we see that Cornelius, he was hosting this. He was the host. He was the cell leader. And he was not just an average cell leader. He was someone that went and found the apostle Peter himself. He was someone that was searching after God. And he was someone assigned by God to receive the man that had the, connect, the correct message in his house. So Cornelius says that they are there in the presence of God to listen to the word of God. And so now Peter comes in and now he's like the cell leader. And he has a message for the people. He has a message that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. He has a message that is empowered by the blood of Jesus. And when we are in God's presence to hear from the Word of God, then God gives us the commands that we need for life. And this is the power of a cell group. I want to tell you that the biggest power in the church happens in the cell group. And in the cell group, people are not going to listen to just any message. They're actually listening to God's counsel. They're actually listening to the advice that God has given them for life. And some people don't understand it. But here's the thing. When you're in a cell group, the atmosphere for the cell group must be set with respect for Jesus. A cell group cannot just happen in a noisy environment. Maybe kids are running around and the TV's on in the next room. You can't learn like that. The word must be received in an attitude of respect. The attitude must be conducive to the presence of God. And you know, many times I've gone and I've preached the word of God at weddings. And at weddings, the thing that you find is that people are not at all looking for the word. They're thinking about this, and they're thinking about this. And, and let me tell you, I always give it my all with the sermon, and, and yet I've never seen anyone's life change then. Often at the wedding, people are drinking, and they've been drinking before the service. 
And so no one's life changes because the atmosphere is all wrong. Because here's the thing. Jesus doesn't stay where he's not welcome. Ours is the responsibility to welcome him in. And he wants to be respected wherever he's received. You know, the best I've ever gotten at a, at a wedding is someone comes and says, Hey, pastor, that was a good speech. I enjoyed that speech. And some people, when you tell them the gospel, they act like they're doing you a favor when you preach the gospel to them. They act like they're doing you a favor in order for them to listen. When that happens, don't bring the gospel down to their level of pride. I want hearts that are willing to listen to the word. And I want to say when a man is married, a married man never looks down on his wife's ministry. Many people come and they give many biblical justifications for women not being in ministry. And a man will never do that. A man will always put his wife forward because Jesus gave dignity to women. When we talk about things like a cell group or something like that, here's the thing. If there's a man and a wife, they work as a team. They work as a team believing for the power of God to come into their home when the word is preached. The gospel is the power of God until salvation for all who believe. It is the power of God. There is no other power of God other than the gospel. And Peter started preaching with his power. God's design is that the power of God falls in the cell group. His design is that in a cell group, the power of God must fall. So in other words, when, whether you're leading a cell or you're attending a cell, you go there with the expectation that the power of God is going to fall in that cell group. And in Acts chapter 10, verse 37 to 40, we read, what is it that happened at the home of Cornelius? And we see this, you know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee and after the baptism that John preached. And our God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And now he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. Now, if you look at these verses, verse 38 refers to the Trinity. Jesus is part of the Trinity of God. And Jesus was doing good things because that's what the gospel does. It causes us to do good things. The gospel causes us to save people. The gospel causes us to heal broken many marriages. The gospel causes us to make broken hearts whole. It causes us to save people from poverty. And what saves people from poverty is not backbreaking work. It's the blood that was shed to remove people from poverty. It's the blood that was shed to break curses over people's lives that have come from past generations. It's the gospel that lifts people out of poverty. It's the, it's the blood of Jesus that breaks every yoke of depression. It's the blood of Jesus that defeats the devil's weapon of sickness that he uses against people. It's the blood of Jesus that you apply when the power of Satan is there. 
Because the power of Satan cannot resist the power of the blood of Jesus. And Peter summarized the gospel in this verse. He summarized the entirety of the gospel. When he said that they witnessed the power of Jesus and that God raised him from the dead. He said they physically witnessed the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead. And he commanded us to teach the world that he is the one who will judge the living and the dead. Whoever believes in Jesus will receive the remission of their sins. And the moment Peter said this, the moment he said this, the Holy Spirit fell on those Gentiles. The power of God came into that room. And there were other Jewish believers that were with Peter. And they were surprised when the Gentiles that they were seeing there were receiving the Holy Spirit in the same way that they did. And then it says Peter baptized them. He baptized them because they had met Jesus. If you were to time Peter's message, as it's recorded there in that passage, it would probably take about one and a half minutes. Peter's busy preaching his sermon and the Holy Spirit interrupted and the, the Gentiles received the same thing that the 120 had received in the upper room. And this is what happens when we speak in tongues. We edify ourselves and the Holy Spirit becomes our interpreter before God and He intercedes for this. And, and that's why even the Apostle Paul, when he's warning about the abuse of tongues, says he, he speaks with tongues often. The Holy Spirit speaks to God on our behalf. It is the greatest gift. We cry out to God and the Holy Spirit interprets and He speaks of things that we do not know. And this is what I want to say to you today. Bring the presence of God into your home. Have you opened a cell group in your home? If you don't know how, you've got a leader, you can ask him to help you. You can be a host. I want you to think what would have happened if Cornelius had not opened his home. If Cornelius had not opened his home, we would not be here. Because we're all Gentiles. What would have happened if many years ago Vicky and I had not opened our home to a cell group? The fruit that has been produced out of this church would not be here. All of you here, all of you at sites that are watching online, you would not be here. And the question I want to ask you today, what if you do not open your home to a cell group? Who's not going to be reached? Because I do want to tell you this, there's someone that won't be reached. And don't be afraid to open your house for a cell group. Determine today that you're going to open your house for a cell group. And that you start saying, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. Many of you can do this. Many of you can do this. When the presence of God falls, when you're running a cell group, like what happened in the house of Cornelius, then the presence of God comes into that home. And I want you just to think about that right now. I want you just to close your eyes. 
And I want you to see King Jesus standing in front of you. And what is the Lord calling on you to do? What is He calling on you to do? I was looking this morning, I polished my shoes. There's still mud on my shoes from the funeral yesterday. It had drained a lot in the hours before. And there was a family in pain. And I want to tell you that when you see that it doesn't matter, so many things don't matter. Especially when it's a person that was about to go to university, just finished school. And I know some of us have experienced pain with a pandemic and all sorts of stuff. But you're here, which means that God has brought you this far. What about those around you? That are suffering right now and they can't handle it. You see, there's too many times where we get depressed in life because we just focused on ourselves. And the Lord is saying, you know what? There are so many people around you that are in pain. The funeral we were at was not the only funeral yesterday. There were many funerals. The cemetery was crowded. And people are buried there at that cemetery every single week. There are people crying there every single week. And that's not even counting those who get cremated. Have you ever considered that God wants to use you as an agent to touch the hearts of those that are broken? He wants to use you right now. He wants to use you because at a time like that, when a coffin goes into the ground, you look at Romans 8, 11 and it says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Do you believe this? Do you yourself believe this? Are you like Cornelius and you're searching after God? Or maybe you're sitting here and you haven't been searching after God. You haven't even been interested. And God has stirred something in you when you've realized, you know what? The Lord wants to use me. The Lord wants His presence to come down even in my house. The Lord wants to have a relationship with me. Why are you in church today? If it's just a tick in the box kind of a thing, 
I'm calling on you today to repent, to get a genuine faith, to know the God whom the Bible describes as the God who is love. The God who loves us so much that He sent His Son Jesus to die for us. The God who loves you so much that the Word declares in the book of Psalms that you are fearfully and wonderfully made in His image. The Word that says even though you, humanity, have messed everything up, the Word declares that God wants to save you. So how do you get saved if you don't know Jesus? Or how do you come back to Jesus? How do you come back to Him if you've wandered from Him? Romans 10, 8 and 9. But what does it say? The Word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith that we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I want to ask this morning, is there anyone here? You need to commit your life to Jesus for the first time or you need to recommit your life to Jesus. Then I'm going to ask right now, while all eyes are closed, if you're here or at one of the sites, I'm going to ask you in a moment to raise your hand. If you are watching online, please send an email if this is you and the Lord has been speaking to you. Send an email to info at activechurch.org. Info at activechurch.org. Just send the email. Give us your contact details, details and tell us whether you've given your life for the first time or you're recommitting your life to Jesus. And so is there anyone you know that your eternal destiny is at stake and the Lord has called you now to come at this altar and to trust Him. Maybe to give your life to Jesus for the first time so that for eternity you can be fine. Or to recommit your life to Jesus today because maybe you've wandered away from the truth. If that is you, just raise your hands. And we're going to pray with those who raise their hands. If you're at one of the sites, please raise your hands. As hands are, are going up, please raise your hands. If you're at one of the sites. And I just want to say that the Lord loves you so much. Some more hands have gone up. The Lord loves you so much. He's just waiting to burst forward into your life and to show you how much He loves you. He wants to touch your heart and to change you. He wants to walk with you even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He wants you to live the rest of your life knowing that you're ready to pass on to the next life. He wants you to know in your heart that your death won't affect you because you're walking with Him. And so I want to ask one last time, is there anyone here today? Maybe you just feel your life is purposeless and the Lord has been speaking to you. And He says, now I have a supernatural purpose for you. And you felt like your, your life doesn't matter. And suddenly God is giving you a revelation. Just raise your hand if that is you. And we're going to pray with you. Whether you're here or at one of the sites. Some more hands have gone up. I'm going to ask everyone now just to put your right hand on your heart. And to visualize Jesus. 
and say, Lord, would you repeat after me? Say, Lord, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin. And I accept your sacrifice. And I know it was the price you paid for my redemption. And today, Lord, I ask that the blood of your wounded body would wash me of all my rebellion and all my sin. That you'd set me free from any sickness and any pain. I accept that my debt has been paid. And I accept and I receive the gift that there's no more outstanding balance that I have before you. Because you paid everything for me on the cross of Calvary. I accept that by your blood I am justified. And you see me as I've never sinned. And I am sanctified because you've chosen me to serve you. And I'm willing to serve you today. And so today I open the door of my heart. And I ask you to come in as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You call me out upon the
where my trust is without borders let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me take me deeper than my feet could ever wander and my faith would be made stronger in the presence of my savior